Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years, and I'm proud to say I've never lost $1 of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know and have been around for centuries. Now, I have been out and about meeting some amazing people, and I really like to bring in a lot of guests because there's so much information that you need to know about so you're ready for pre-retirement. Now, pre-retirement means plan retirement early so your money, your health, and your peace of mind is there when you need it. Well, today my special guest is Matt Reddick. He is the man with a plan, and he's a veteran of the financial services industry. He's gained nationwide recognition since he began his career more than 20 years ago. He's co-authored authored his first book, Fiscal Fitness, Eight Steps to Wealth and Health from America's Leaders of Finance and Fitness and Finance with the late-famed fitness guru, Jack LaLanne. His second book, All the Rules Have Changed, What You Must Do to Succeed in the New Financial Reality, came out on May 30th and is already an Amazon number one bestseller. This latest book is dedicated to helping Americans spend less, save more, and invest wisely in the new financial reality. I am so glad to have you on the show, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Chris, I'm tickled to be here. It's good to be on your program. I know all about you, and you're doing such good work for people, not just in California, but in different parts of the country as well. So it's my pleasure. Well, I'm, I feel the same about you. I'm really, really proud to have other people that talk about what I talk about, and and so I'm really, really going to really enjoy this. Um, I got your book. It's an amazing book. All the rules have changed, and it's a must-read. Totally recommend this for everybody to get a hold of this book because there's a lot of information everybody needs to know about. Um, in and. You know, you've talked a lot about all these things. So what, what, what was your inspiration for writing this book? Well, as you mentioned, Chris, I've been a financial advisor. I call myself the financial insider because, uh, unfortunately, uh, many times these so-called talking heads on television or radio are not in the financial business, yet they're giving uh, investment advice. Now, it's what I would call giving investment advice without a license, so I'm on the inside. I've been a financial advisor for 24 years, helping clients in Nashville, Tennessee. I also train and coach up to a thousand other advisors across the country. So my inspiration was I I really wanted to help give Americans a tool and a source that they could make what I call unbiased and balanced decisions. And so this is this was the reason that I wrote the book, in, in addition to the fact that really all the rules of, of money and finance have changed. Things aren't going back to the way they were. 
And, you know, the old eight great words, if it's to be, it's up to me. We have to make positive changes ahead if we're going to really have that financial security we all want in the future. Absolutely. Okay, so how do you take control of, of your financial future? Well, the first thing is, you know, I talk about, uh, you know, what you must do to succeed in the new financial reality. And many times people ask me, well, Matt, what is the new financial reality? And it really revolves around what I call the four crumbling pillars of our financial security that we used to have. Uh, number one is that pension plans are vanishing left and right. You can't depend on those. Social Security, as we know, was unstable. Uh, they're Government's paying out more in benefits every month and taking in in taxes, so things are going to change there. The stock market is very unpredictable, and home equity is unreliable. Uh, now, on top of all of that, I, I call the fifth pillar that's risen above the other four, which is even more ominous, and that is that we're all living longer as a nation. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, there's more people entering the 80s, 90s, and century mark than ever before in history. So the old fear of dying shortly after retirement has been replaced by the fear of outliving our assets. So we really have to make sure that our money lasts at least as long as we do. So what it really comes down to is that we have to take control of what we spend, what we save, and where we invest it. We must become what I call a savvy investor and a smarter consumer so our money is where it needs to be throughout our lifetime. Right. You know, what I've really, really seen a lot, it, you know, everybody goes to school, they learn how to make money, they get out of school, they make money, and then they're stuck. Okay, where, what do I do? Where do I go? And they go to their bank or they go to their broker and talk to someone they don't really like and end up in putting it in the stock market. And, and pretty soon the, down the road, and this is what I've seen, a lot of my clients come in at 70 or 80 and they've lost half their pension and, and right. or you know their IRAs. So, how does one become a 21st century investor? Very good question, and I love that question because all the rules have changed. So, the the, the old um, theory of buying and holding really doesn't work anymore. It's what I call buy and hope, because <laughs> if you look back at the last 10, 15, even 20 years. When, when we had the bear market of 2000, 2001, and then 2008, 2009, what's happening is that these are such deep declines, Chris, 30, 40, 50 percent. And, and that so most Americans are just trying to gain back what they lost. Right. So that's, that's not getting ahead uh, financially. So to become a 21st century investor, you really want to be able to uh, put your money into accounts that limit your downside risk. And uh, there are particular uh, investments as well as insurance products, particularly uh, fixed index annuities that let you participate in the increase of the market if the market goes up. But if the market goes down, you don't lose anything. You don't lose your principal or previous year's gains that were locked in. And there are even some investment strategies that uh, uh, man uh, managers of, of money management programs that can hedge the downside so you're not just, you know, fully losing 30, 40, 50 percent. I mean, I have hundreds of clients as you do, and the thing that used to bother me the most is people would come in with a portfolio that's down 40 percent, 45 percent, and I'd say, well, what does your advisor say about it currently? Well, I call my broker, and my broker says the same thing every time. Well, hang in there. The market always comes back. Yeah. Well, the question is, is it going to come back in time to benefit you? And if you're already retired or close to retirement, you may not have enough time for it to come back. Exactly. And that's I've seen that so many times. 
I've even had a few clients come in and tell me they're eating peanut butter and crackers. Oh, dear. It's, it's so sad. I mean, yeah. I the area used to be an upper middle class area, and after the recession and and equity, home equity, and everything, it's more like just middle class now. People have, are running out of money, so so there's so much to really understand and and understanding what the new financial reality means. So, what, a lot of people are in debt. How do you you talk about dumping debt for good? How do you yeah, jump and debt for good? Absolutely. In Chapter 5, I call it duped into debt, that you can get yourself out. And we are duped into debt. When when you look at all of the advertisements of of and, uh, car dealers, no money down, um, low payment of two ninety nine a month. Well, yeah, but you're financing it for seven years, maybe eight years. Uh, furniture store, we've got a, a big furniture store here called Sprints, and it's like, you know, no payment, no interest for two years. Come on in. It's almost like free furniture. Well, what you're doing is you're tying yourself down for an endless amount of time in debt. Uh, even a $5,000 credit card debt, if you only pay the minimum, the $25 a month minimum, you're going to be in debt for, for 15, 20 years. So we, we really have to see debt almost as an evil. It's almost like a chain and ball around our ankle. I think of uh, the movie uh, uh, Christmas Carol, where where uh, Scrooge is is uh, uh, Bob Marley's got that chain and, and 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 ball around his hands and his feet. We really need to get serious about dumping debt for good and becoming debt free as soon as possible. But at least by the time we retire, and I read some statistics here just a couple of months ago that said more seniors now than ever before are claiming bankruptcy because they have a mortgage, they have debts they can't pay, and it's a real heartache to see retirees at this stage in their life not enjoying retirement because they still have debt. Right, and and actually Americans are using debt to finance their lifestyle choices like you're talking about, taking out huge mortgages to buy houses that they bigger than they really need. Yes. And it's something like... Um, Wow, twenty five percent have no funds at all for rainy even rainy day. Right. The statistics are really frightening. Something like seventy six sixty three percent have no savings past three months. Correct. That's pretty bad. And so this new financial reality you talk about five financial truths in your book. What what are yes. those about? Yeah, that's the basis, really, of of understanding uh, the new financial reality and uh, and what to do in it. Uh, the, I, this is from my experience, and the first financial truth is the financial world is biased. We, we have to understand that we can't believe everything that we read or hear as absolute truth, whether it's in the newspaper or on television or from somebody's lips, because the fact of the matter is that everybody's trying to sell you something to make a buck, so we have to really be cautious and not believe everything we hear or read. Right. Number two, a financial truth is it's not that complicated. I like to say that you don't have to have an MBA degree from a Harvard Business School of Finance to make good financial decisions. And I just recently read an interview that MarketWatch did with Bernie Madoff, who's, of course, in jail for 150 years, biggest Ponzi scheme ever, $65 billion. Right. And and he said in his interview, he said it's really not that complicated. You just have to ask the right questions. And he said, if you don't understand an investment, don't put your money in there. And how many of my clients, and probably yours too, Chris, oh, yeah. you ask people, well, why did you put your money in here? Well, I don't know. My, my broker, my advisor said it was a good deal. But I, I don't right. know how it works. 
right. that's not good. Oh, Financial truth crazy. number three is consider the pros and cons, and that is that every legal, as I say, investment product or savings vehicles has pros and cons, pluses and minuses, advantages and disadvantages. And so when you hear, you know, some talking heads on TV that say, well, never buy whole life or never buy uh, uh, universal life or never buy uh, annuities, they're showing their bias right there. Every product has pros and cons, pluses and minuses, and you just need to know what they are to make an educated decision. My financial truth number four is it's your responsibility. You can't leave those decisions to your advisor and just trust that they're going to take care of you. You really have to do your part to investigate the facts and make a quality decision to move ahead or not. And then my financial truth number five is you really need to find what I call a true financial advisor. I call them TFAs, true financial advisor, who can be your guide to helping you with these decisions and, and searching the marketplace for the best products and the solutions on the safe money side as well as the investment or at risk side. Right. You know, I really I really like this uh you mentioned in your book about the big financial light. I talk about yep. this all the time. And yep. you have a video called The Truth About the Average Stock Market Returns. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about this? Well, when I first heard about this years and years ago, Chris, I thought that the speaker made a mistake. I thought this can't possibly be legal. I mean, the SEC, the insurance commissioner, should be shutting this kind of stuff down. When, when you read, you know, you hear brokers that say, well, the market has averaged, you know, 10.85% or 12.65% since 1926. Well, even if it was true and it's not, we don't have 80 or 90 years going forward to see if that will work out for us. But when they use the words average market returns, that simple subtraction, that is in a, in, in a, uh, uh, subtraction and uh, addition. It's not compounded or annualized returns. So here's my example. If you put $10,000 into an investment, and the first year it earned 100%, and the year one you have $20,000. If the second year you lose 50% of your 20000 you're back down to your $10,000 at the end of year two. So the question is, how much money did you make? Well, you didn't make anything. But average market returns doesn't look at the compounding effect. They look at adding and subtracting. So in other words, if the first year you earned 100%, and the second year you lost 50, you subtract 50 from 100, and that shows legally that you earned 50% over two years or 25% per year. It's just smoke and mirrors, and people are being conned by, uh, and I won't mention who they are, a major publication that prints this stuff, as well as what most brokers say or literature that uses the word average market returns. You never want to look at average market returns. You want to ask for the annualized or compounded returns because that's where our money lives. Right, exactly. So, you you know, you mentioned in your book um, – you talk about double compounding in reverse. What's that yes. about? <laughs> That's <laughs> a term. That I'm glad you asked. That's a term <laughs> that I actually made up years ago. Uh, we, you know, we talk about uh, w with clients, and they've heard this, that Albert Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world was the miracle of compounding what? And I ask the audience, they all say interest. That's right. Because you're earning interest three ways. You're earning interest, number one, on your principal. Number two, you're earning interest on the interest it earned the year before. 
But number three, you're earning interest on the amount of interest that you would normally have to pay in taxes to Uncle Sam every year. But if it doesn't go to Uncle Sam yet, you get that miracle of compounding interest working for you. And products and, and vehicles that have that are things like IRAs and, and annuities. So you have that triple compounding effect. If you have $100,000 in the bank, you might earn, you know, say, you know, 2% right now or 1%, but you don't even keep all of that because you have to pay taxes. So double compounding in reverse, and I've never heard a broker ever want to explain this, simply says this, if you lose 50% of any value in the market over any period of time, you now have to gain back 100% of what's left to get back to where you were. Right. So in other words, if you had $100,000 in the stock market and you lost 50%, you have $50,000 left after that bad bear market. Now, you know, Americans may think, well, if I just earn 50% more, then I'm back to where I was. No, 50% more, 50000 is just 75000 You have to try, and the big word is try, and gain back 100% of your $50,000 to get back to your original amount of $100,000. So I have dubbed that double compounding in reverse. It's a very dangerous thing you have to be aware of. Right. That is a really good point. Most people don't realize that. Who's going to make 100% just to get back to the where they were three or four years ago, and then, then they lost all that growth? Yeah, I like, to, I like to say when I'm in front of a group or in front of clients or even advisors that we that we train and mentor and help, that who would have ever thought years and years ago that people would be excited about just gaining back what they lost in the market? <laughs> right. I mean, Talk about the big con. It's, yes. Right. So, how, so tell everybody how they can stop losing money in the market and capture their gains. Well, there's there's a couple of specific uh, products on the insurance side, and when I say insurance, people think, oh, I don't want insurance. Well, right. there's it's, it's interesting. All the things, Chris, that we value the most, uh, we insure against loss. So you you have uh, you have uh, homeowners insurance in case your house burns down or there's a theft. You have car insurance in case you you know destroy your car or have a fender bender. We have health insurance. We have life insurance. We have long term care. We can actually insure our money against loss with two particular things, uh, fixed indexed annuities and uh, indexed universal life insurance. Now, fixed I tell people fixed indexed annuities, there's three parts to it. Fixed means, number one, your money is safe and sound. You do not get a prospectus like you'd get with a variable annuity or mutual fund. So your money's not at risk. The index part means that your interest rate is tied to an index of your choosing. And many companies, insurance companies, offer like the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or a bond index. And if from one year to the next, if the market goes up, you gain a portion, not usually all of it, but a portion of that gain, and it's locked in. The most marvelous part is if the market dives or tanks, you don't make anything that year, but you don't lose anything. You don't lose your uh, principal or your previous year's gains. And the third aspect of the fixed index annuity is that it is an annuity, which simply means you're not taxed on the interest that it earns unless you, as the owner, decide to take the money out. And under the similar situation, there's what's called an index universal life, which can do the exact same thing. It's a life insurance policy that also participates in the increase of the stock market, but not when it goes down. So that's the best invention in the last several years, probably the last 100 years, uh, took place about 18 years ago, where 
this was a marriage between the variable annuity, which is the upside of the market, with the safety of a fixed annuity, and it's called the fixed indexed annuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and isn't it fascinating? This I find this fascinating. These annuities have been around since the Middle Ages, right? Oh yes. They're nothing yeah. new, and the average person, all they've heard about are the bad ones or the variables where they lose their money, but they right. don't really know about these other ones that are really performing, actually giving them good in, uh, good income rates, yep. um, good interest for their re- income. It's amazing how this information is withheld from the average people. I'm so glad it, that we're talking about it. That's really, really great. Yep. So in your in your book, in Chapter 10, you talk yeah. about how to stop losing money in the stock market by capturing your gains. So right. how do you do that? Yeah, here's here's five ideas just very quickly. Um, okay. And three's on the on the uh, what I would call the safe side. Uh, I mentioned fixed indexed annuities. Participate when the market goes up, not when it goes down. There are even uh, indexed CDs now, where your CDs aren't uh, you know national average of a one year CD according to Bankrate.com is like 0.24 percent, and the five year is 0.85 percent. I mean, it's just after taxes, you're losing you know buying power. Um, so there are index CDs that, again, tie your interest rate to a major index like the S&P 500 or Dow Jones. There are index universal life uh, policies that also track these different indexes. Now, if you have money in the market, well, I, I like that these last two are very important because some people are going to want, based on their age and risk tolerance, to have some money in the stock market. So you want to become what I call a 21st century investor. You want to have a a money manager who does some active management, not passive management. So when your broker sells you a mutual fund, that's a passive investment. You ride all the highs and you ride all the lows. You want to have a, a financial advisor or a money manager who does one of these two things, and that is put a stop loss on your losses. So if the market starts tanking, let's say you're you're uh, comfortable with a 10% loss but no more, they would put your money in the sidelines. And there are strategic ways of when to put that money back in there based on the recovery. So if it went down, you know, 40%, you would have lost 10 but not 40. And the last idea, the fifth one, is that there are some money management platforms that actually use like the big institutional banks do. They use some options called puts and calls. Now, I'm not going to get complicated here, but... But a, 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 you know, we usually, as Americans, think we only make money if the market goes up. Well, these big institutional banks, they're able to make money if the market goes down. So you're shorting the market, they call it, or buying a put. All that simply means if you have a, a manager, a good money manager in a platform that, that hedges against the upside or the downside, that means that even when the market goes down, you might still make something, but at the very least, you wouldn't lose as much or anything at all. So it's important if you have money in the market to be a true 21st century investor and work with somebody who is actively managing your money and not passively managing it. Right. Or using strategies that my dad used 20 years ago, right? Right. Yeah, because again, the buy and hold buy strategy and hold. is called yeah. buy and hope. Buy and hope, exactly. I, I, I hope it's up by the time I want to retire. Right. And and that's a very sad thing. I you know I, I have a financial uh, uh, television show called Checks and Balances uh, TV, and people can check it out. Checks and Balances TV, and I do these on the street interviews. I go on the street. I was in Chicago 
in Magnificent Mile uh, not too long ago. I've done one in Las Vegas, one here in Nashville. And Chris, there was one particular doctor who I interviewed in Chicago who had been in practice for 56 years, and he was still working. I said, why are you still working? And he said, well, I'm only working 15 to 20 hours a week, but I have to. I said, why? He said, because in 08 and 09, he said, I lost 45% of my nest egg, and I'm having to draw out of it to live on. And he said these words out of his mouth. He said, even if the market comes back, there's not going to be enough there for it to come back. He said, I figure I have maybe six, seven years left, and I'm going to be completely out of money. Wow. That's a travesty. So we cannot allow brokers to tell us, well, the market always comes back as our savior because it may not come back in time for you. We want to be a 21st century investor that can reduce or eliminate our losses in the market as much as possible. Absolutely. And you know what what the money gurus say is that it'll never come back because it was the boomers that drove the market. Now it's the boomers that are going to crash the market. There are so many many cliffs that are coming just in a few years when all those boomers reach into Medicare. Mm -hmm. It's pretty shaky. So what do you think the biggest fear that most Americans have today about their money and their financial future, speaking of? Yeah, well, it's it's quite interesting that, you know, um, what I call the longevity risk. And we've heard that in different publications now, the longevity risk. Well, that simply means that, you know, because of nutrition, because of exercise, because of modern medicine, and because of very good surgery and, and, and doctor's care now, we're living longer as a nation. I mean, the U.S. Census Bureau says that we have more people entering the 80s, the 90s, and century mark than ever before in history. Right. Well, that's, that's great news. But the problem is, is that years ago, you know, when people retired and got a pension and they'd usually, you know, expire or pass away in a few years or 10 years, Statistically now, we could live longer, Chris, in retirement than we work for a living. Mm. So that means that our money has to last at least as long as we do. And I I recently read a study, it was by uh, Allianz Life Insurance Company of North America, that said of the people who were 44 to 49 married with kids, that 82% of them were more fearful of running out of money in retirement than they were of dying. Mm. So wow. the old fear of of death after retirement has been replaced by the fear of outliving our money. And I tell people, nobody is as interested in your financial future or your success than you're going to be. So you've got to take it upon your own shoulders to find your solution and your path to financial freedom. And that's what my book is all about. Wonderful. So for those of you that have just joined us, you are listening to our show, which is called Ready, Set, Retire. And my guest, uh, Matthew Reddick, is going to tell us how to get in touch with you, Matt. Why don't you tell them, uh, you know, all your contact information and how they can get your book? Yep, yep. They can go to um, uh, alltherules.com. Again, alltherules.com. And they can see some information about the book, and they can order it there if they'd like to. And um, my uh, Internet television show that I have, my financial show, is checksandbalances.tv. And we have lots of free reports. I have my 
uh, Truth About series, which uh, you can download and print off and keep with you. I have Truth About Annuities, Truth About Bonds, Mutual Funds, Stocks. I have Truth About Average Stock Market Returns. One of my, my, my most popular reports is the Truth About Average Stock Market Returns and the 10 questions to ask your financial advisor before you invest a dime with them. And so lots of great resources there, uh, lots of uh, reports. And I have my weekly video, my weekly Internet show right there, my financial show, so you can see the current one or my archived 90-plus uh, shows I have there as well. Wonderful. Yep. That's great. And and um, for those that um, who just joined us again, you're listening to Ready, Set, Retire. I'm Chris Miller, your host, and I'm also the author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement. Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. Matt and I are talking about the same thing. We're not in competition. We're really trying to help people wherever we're at. If he's in Nashville, I'm in California. And we're really across the country trying to help people see and put on a new pair of glasses so they can see what this new economy is about. Um, And if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach out to me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at Ready for Pre-Tirement. And you go to, go to my website, which you can get a hold of my book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, and that's the name of the website. And that, I'll spell that for you because everybody gets a little confused. It's R-E-A-D-Y-F-O-R-P-R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T.com. And we have some free articles over there on the three myths of financial planning. Lots of good information. I want to empower people to take control of their own finances and understand what you're doing. So back, Matt. Back to this good, this good content you have. Sure. Um, let's see. I wanted to ask you about Chapter Eleven. Yes. Um, and solving longevity and how you're going to guarantee your money lasts you as long as you do because we are living longer. And yep. and what what do you think the best ways to do this are? Yeah, here's five strategies for people to consider. Uh, number one, if you're one of the very few left that uh, has a pension or will have a pension with your employer, and we certainly hope that these pensions are going to be around in the future as we see companies who really have overshot their expectations of what they were going to earn, and even some of the states um, that, you know, for state employees, they're finding right. that they don't have enough money because they were living longer and the market hasn't cooperated with returns. But anyway, that's the first uh, uh, leg of the five-legged stool as far as making sure your money lasts as long as you do. If you have a, if you have a pension, be grateful. And I'll, I'll mention this as a big uh, suggestion and disclaimer as well. If you're married and you take your pension, you have one option to choose the right payout. And if you're married, choose joint life survivor. Don't do it on a single life. I interviewed someone in Las Vegas, a widow, who said she lost her husband about a year and a half after he died, and his pension disappeared. And I said, I know why, but you tell me why. And she said, because he thought he was going to live longer than I did. He took it on his life because we got more money every month. But he passed away within a year and a half, and now I don't have that money anymore. Oh, so wow. pension plan, number one. Number two is, of course, Social Security. Um, you know, you want to work as long and hard and make as much money as possible. So your Social Security uh, check is as is, is much as possible, even though we know that in the future that the government's going to have to raise the, the, the limit to qualify or reduce benefits somehow. That still is a source of income throughout your lifetime. Number three is if you have IRAs or, or a 401K, you know, once you hit age 70 and a half, you must begin taking an RMD or required minimum distribution. 
And if you can, try not to take any more than that required minimum so that money lasts as long as possible. And the other two, uh, very interesting, is that you can, depending on your age and your health, you can health, you can overfund life insurance, and that can build up very substantial to where you can take tax-free withdrawals from it. And this is a strategy that you won't hear usually on television or, or from your advisor, but insurance is not just a death benefit anymore. It has real living benefits that most people don't know about. Really? And the fifth idea is that uh, some of your fixed indexed annuities now, as you know, Chris, have a wonderful income rider as high as 7% guaranteed per year. So no matter what the true uh, account value is doing, the income rider uh, section can grow as high as 7%. And once you turn that tap on, that bucket on of money, you and you could be 105 years of age one day, that money will continue to come out to you every single month, every single year for as long as you live. So there's no way of outliving that asset. Talk about sweet. I mean, it's, and where do you find 7% interest compounded for income? <laughs> Almost nowhere. People say, that yeah. sounds too good to be true. And I said, you're right. right, but I can prove that it is true. And then you show them a proposal and the company and how they do it and all that. And they're like, oh, my goodness, this I is know. wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. And I have a lot of clients that, that do are going through that change of what you just talked about. They might have, you know, 250000 in their in their plan, and they're deciding, okay, do they take a lump sum, or and then they go invest it somewhere, and or do they take a single payout or a joint payout? Yes. So that's, a, that's a huge question, so that's a really good point that you said you want. They're better off taking the joint payout. Right. Yes. And and yeah. what I'm seeing that some of these payouts like this person got 4500 a month it was actually better for him to stay in the plan. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. So That's what that's why it's important to get good counsel from what I call an unbiased uh, advisor that's looking out for your best interest. Right. So you have all the options, you see the pros and cons of everything that you know you could make a decision on so you're an informed uh consumer. Right. And, you know, insurance has had a bad rap to it, but there's a lot of insurance products, like you were talking about the IUL, the Index Universal Life. And yes. and that took me years to discover it. It actually is so hidden from the average person. I, honestly, I wish I would have known about it when I was in my 40s or 30s <laughs> because it really is an amazing way to grow money. So, and and you talk about this in Chapter 12. You talk about insurance to the rescue, protect your lifestyle, income, and assets. And many people really don't know what what's the best type of insurance today. Do I need disability? Do I need right. long-term care? What do you recommend? Well, the first thing I say about insurance, Chris, is that all of us hate to pay premiums until we have a claim in the future. <laughs> You're right. And then we're very glad we've been paying all that. I mean, most of us think we're just throwing money down the drain. And, and the reality is we hope we are. Because if we have a claim, that means that something went wrong. But, um, you know, just just as we have car insurance and homeowner's insurance, you know, we, we insure the most valuable parts of our life. And there are ways of protecting your lifestyle, your income, and your assets. So, so here's my five-point tip for really utilizing uh, insurance, what I call insurance to the rescue, because it really can rescue your lifestyle, income, and assets. Number one, you want to make sure that you have a good health insurance policy. 
Um, statistically, we're seeing that, you know, cost of, of health care is going up every year. So we have to, throughout our lifetime and in retirement, make sure that we do have a good health plan. Number two is life insurance. And the earlier you get it and when you're in better shape, the cheaper it will be. Now, again, life insurance is not just a death benefit. You can really be a great living benefit if you have the right kind of life insurance. So it's important to sit down with so your broker's not going to know about this kind of stuff because they want to sell you stocks and bonds and right. variable annuities. You want a, a really a good life special, life insurance specialist that can right. show you the different options. But certainly that's number two. Number three, statistically, everybody has a one in three chance of needing some type of long-term care in the future. Now, when I say that, people are thinking nursing home care, and that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what you talk about either, Chris. The first level of care is usually assisted living, which is a, a huge need nowadays. You have adult daycare. You have, um, of course, uh, nursing home care, uh, home health care. So you want a good long-term care policy to give you options and to not drain your nest egg if you end up in a nursing home and, and I, or, or assisted living. And I've had clients who came to me that they had a spouse in one of these facilities and they were just, you know, being drained dry. Now, there are some strategies once somebody's in to, you know, prevent that Medicaid spend down, so to speak, in a nursing home. But it's best to have more options, and that is you need to have a long-term care policy. Right. And number four is a disability policy. You know, if you're if you're working and something happens that you have an accident, you have a heart attack, you slip on the stairs, you break your neck, your back, your leg, whatever it is, you want to be able to, you know, sustain yourself financially and that is with a disability policy. And again, the younger you get it and the better health you are, the lower the rates will be. And the fifth one, which most uh, my clients never had until I mentioned it to them and now they pretty much all have it is an umbrella policy. And I think of an umbrella that shields us from the raindrops when there's a storm out. Well, an umbrella policy also protects you in case you're sued as a homeowner or sued driving your car. And most people say, well, I already have homeowner's insurance and auto insurance, so why do I need an umbrella policy? Well, very simply, if you're driving your car and you hit somebody from behind and they claim whiplash, you know, their attorney will do a search of your assets. And we live in a lawsuit-happy society today. Everybody's suing somebody for whatever reason. And so most auto policies only cover $100,000 per person per accident. And so if they decide to sell you for, let's say, a half a million dollars, who's liable for the other $400,000 of that claim? You are. Right. So an umbrella policy will protect you if you're sued driving your car and hurting somebody, or as a homeowner, if somebody trips on a garden rake at your house or you had somebody working in your home or some neighbor kid, you want to have that kind of coverage. And the cost of it for a million-dollar policy is an average of $150 a year in premium. So it's not the frequency of claims. It's the severity of one claim that can wipe out in a state. Wow. Yeah, that's a very good point. And the umbrella policy starts off at $1 million coverage and goes as high as $5 million. So depending on how much you have in assets and, and investments uh, in real estate, you know, you decide right. there. But that's important for every American pretty much to have nowadays. That's a great point. And, you know, I just want to reiterate because, you know, really, the, the statistics for long-term care, and I know they go back and forth, but... I've gone through that with my mom and dad, and they were the perfect candidates not to go to a nursing home. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, my mom had cancer, and 
one five days of chemo was ninety thousand dollars. Oh my word! It was. It's just they were like the nightmare of my business because, you know, they were in the old school. Medicare was going to take care of it. They had, you know, they didn't want to, you know, get long-term care insurance. So her home care was fifteen thousand a month. Wow. So having a million dollars isn't very much anymore to no. really take care. That's why you want to give that to the insurance company to take the liability and get it when you're young and you're in good health. Yep. That's, that's I just really is so important. So, yeah, I like I like to say that insurance you're really buying a dollar's worth of coverage for a penny. Yeah. So right. that's that's a pretty good investment right there. I I, I totally agree. And, you know, and I really didn't realize it. it. Even with me learning about all this, if something happens when it happens in your own family that you get it. And a lot of people, when you're younger, you don't ever think that you're going to die or get sick. And and it's sort of like another reality. But if you can grab a hold of it when you're younger and start planning, you can totally avoid a lot of these problems you're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. It's the old you know. thing, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah. So exactly. you, you you do want to take action uh, as as early as possible because, you know, I, we've all heard the saying that in life and in business you want to expect the best, but be prepared for the worst. Right. Exactly. So in Chapter 14, there's got another great, which is another one of my fortes, is uh, you yes. talk about covering all the bases, legal documents you can't live without. So which ones are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things, when you look at how people need to protect, preserve, and grow their assets, it's not just about making money in the market. Because if you have an insurance claim that wipes out your estate or a lawsuit that wipes out your estate or a legal situation that wipes out your estate, what good is it if you did make 12% a year the last 30 years in the market? So a good estate plan, which I know that you're very big on estate plans uh, as well, Chris, you're helping your people. What I call it is if you're traveling down the, the interstate of your life, you want to cover all the potholes that your tires may run into. And so these potholes are, like we just talked about, insurance. You want to make sure that you, if you come across that pothole, it's been covered. Another one is solving longevity. Be sure your money lasts as long as you do. Here's another pothole you want to cover ahead of time, and that is legal documents. As I say, you can't live without. And I'm not an attorney, but I work with estate planning attorneys, and I've helped my clients be sure they cover themselves with these five things. Number one is you need to at least have a will. And unfortunately, about 50% of Americans today has been proven do not even have a will. So if you pass away without a will, you die intestate, so the state decides where your money is going to go. And that's not going to be a lot of fun with your, for your heirs to have to go through the what I call living probate. Number two, though, is that if your estate's large enough or you want to avoid probate and you want to avoid squabbling between the kids, you want your affairs to be main, remain private, uh, you want to have a revocable living trust. And that simply uh, helps you to pass along your estate immediately with no probate, no attorney fees, no public record, no contestability. The uh, third document you definitely want to have, which is, again, amazing, so many people do not have, is a durable power of attorney for financial decisions. And I tell folks, you could be married 50 years to your spouse, but just because you've been married to them, if they don't have a legal document that you signed and was witnessed and notarized, it gives them the ability to make financial decisions if you can't, the court won't give it to you just carte blanche. You have to go and petition the court and ask the court and 
So you want to have this in place so if something happens to you now, you've given the right to whoever it is you want, your spouse, your kids, your neighbor, your best friend, whatever it is, the ability to make financial decisions on your behalf if you can't. And number four is the power of attorney for health care decisions. So again, to make decisions on health care if you're unable to. It could be surgery. It could be uh, medication that you need. It, it could be transferring you to another facility. You want to give that power to someone whom you trust. And the last legal document you should have is a living will. That's not the same as a will or a living trust. A living will is just what we call a declaration of the right to die. That if you're plugged into a machine and the doctor says there's no hope of recovery, your wishes are made known, either to keep you going because you might come back one day in the future or to so-called pull the plug. So those are the five. Will, living trust, power of attorney for financial decisions, power of attorney for health care, and the living will. Perfect. That's great. You know, um, in California, I'm known as what's called an LDM, a legal document assistant. Yes. And so I do everything that attorneys do but talk in court and give legal advice. And over the years, um, I was a volunteer at senior centers. I was making wills and trusts for, for retirees and saw how these poor people were being gouged, you know, 5000 10000 for a trust. So yes. we started to make really affordable trusts and um, and help just the average person be able to get these documents. And then, of course, if you have large tax issues or second marriages, you want to see a CPA or an attorney. But we charge 597 for our trust. It's like a giveaway because we wow. really are trying to help people. It really is. And we got so – and we do them all over the country. Now, we, we I've really changed my model because – I'm trying to reach millions, and I'm trying to empower millions. So I'm, I'm giving my business away. I'm putting everything in my book, and we've created this software. I worked with an attorney, and we're, we're going to have software in about a month now where you'll be able to download and create your own power of attorney. Um, one more thing I want to add, it's very important, is a guardianship. So if mom and dad go out to dinner and don't come back, who's going to take care of the kids? Oh, yes. It's so something nobody ever wants to talk about. And, and things that would never happen. So we've put all these documents. We're going to have them online so that average people could to be able to prepare these for, for very affordable, create their own trusts or powers of attorney or wills. And so I'm, I'm really glad to hear you, you talking about that, too, because it's so important. Yeah, again, uh, our financial life is not about just making money in the market. It's about right. preserving, protecting, and safely growing our assets and our estate for ourselves and those that we love. Absolutely. And, you know, it's when you're out there and you talk about finding someone you can trust, like a true financial advisor. Right. It, that is, that's really a scary one because a lot of advisors, and I've seen a lot of insurance agents myself have, you know, they're really selling by commission. Yes. A lot of people, a lot of people. So it's hard to find a real good, honest advisor. It no. is, and I and I talk about it in my book, which is Chapter 13, Don't Go It Alone, Work With mm -hmm. a True Financial Advisor. And the reason I came up with that term of TFA, or True Financial Advisor, is because of the, uh, the bias I saw in the marketplace across the country. Depending on how you get paid or how you're, what licenses you have, that's what you recommend to everybody you come in contact with. And a true financial advisor is, is basically th three things. Uh, number one is that they are independent. Very important that they're an independent advisor. So if you're working with somebody who works for a bank, a brokerage firm, 
or an insurance company directly, you need to fire them right. because they're loyal to their boss, not to you. And there have been so many like brokerage firms that came out, came out with their own proprietary mutual fund, and they offer that to all their clients, not because it's the best one out there. It's because they right. make more commission with an in-house mutual fund that they developed. Exactly. So you want an independent advisor, number one. Number two, you want an advisor who is insurance licensed and securities licensed. Because if they're just insurance licensed, what are they going to sell you or offer to you? Insurance products. If they're just securities licensed, what are they going to offer or sell to you? Securities products. You need to have both insurance products and investment products working together in hand, hand in hand. And so you want somebody who has both licenses. And number three is very important. The word fiduciary is very important, and that is you want an advisor who has what they call a Series 65 or Series 66. It just means that this is Curtis license, and they're held to a fiduciary standard, not just a suitability standard. And what that means is suitability. There's 20,000 different mutual funds out there. And a broker could offer you one in-house fund. It's suitable because a percentage of your money could be in mutual funds, but it's not the best one. It pays them the most commission. If they have a Series 65 or 66, they're an investment advisor representative, and that simply means they're held to a fiduciary standard. They have to, by law, offer to you the very best mutual fund out of 20000 they can find, regardless of how they are paid. So that's the three main criteria, independent, need to be insurance and securities licensed and held to a fiduciary responsibility. And I guess the, the other part that's so important as well, as, as equally as the other three, is do you feel that they have a heart for you? Are they really interested in helping you? Do they return phone calls? Are they prompt? Are they kind? Do they listen to you? So you've got to have that gut level check that you know they really are looking out for you more than themselves. Right. You, you know, you were talking about um, no check act. You, yes. you, know, you, you call it, how does your no-check process work? Yep. You know, when people want to become smart consumers and savvy investors, and, and mm-hmm. you have a little term here, what, is that, what does that mean for everybody? Yeah, in my book I talk about that, that uh, I'm the creator of the Checks and Balances Financial Success System. And this is, m- my goal is to help Americans become what I call savvy investors and smarter consumers. A savvy investor. So if you're going to really invest your money someplace, I want to educate you on the pros and cons, pluses and minuses, advantages and disadvantages, so you can make an intelligent decision and not take somebody's word for it. Now, the smarter consumer is one of my uh, chapters, is on negotiating. Chapter 8 is become a savvy consumer, negotiate every purchase you make. So if you're going to spend money to buy something, I want to help you to save as much money as possible. So our No Check Act process is simply this. At the end of each chapter, I give people the No Check Act process of that chapter. So the no part is that I want to help inform you and give you knowledge on an investment or on on purchasing different products. So I have free reports so that you will know the pros and cons, pluses and minuses of that particular product or investment. The check is we have checklists, so you can uh, become a wise consumer by, it's almost like a cheat sheet to check off these questions. You're going to ask that salesman or that advisor these questions. So you've, number one, you've been informed, you know, with our free reports. Number two, you have our checklist. And then number three, you can then act with confidence. And you may decide not to buy that product or not to invest that money, or you may decide to go ahead 
but now you're making a wise decision. You're becoming a savvy investor and smarter consumer using our No Check Act process. All right. Well, you know, we're coming towards the end of the show, and I thought maybe if there's one cherry on the top you want to leave or a final note you want to leave with everybody, this would be a good time. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, number one is that I want to give people hope. I think that's a big part of what I do, that no matter what your age or your circumstance or income, that you can get yourself out of debt. You can begin to save on a regular basis. You can invest your money wisely, and you can secure your financial future. I mean, it's it's important that uh, we take that upon ourselves. We don't rely upon, again, the government, our employer, the stock market alone, or our home equity, because those things, as we, as we have seen in the past now, are very unstable and unreliable. So we have to take it upon ourselves to, to really take action. And my book is designed, and, and one of the things my publicists like so much about the, the book is that it's not just a financial book about facts and figures and charts and graphs and historical data. That's all boring stuff that most people don't even understand. But this book is almost autobiographical because I give my journey and my my story of my failures, what I did wrong in my 20s and 30s, and then how I eventually came out of all that. And that's significant because, you know, people can see themselves that they'll know that I've been there. I've been broke. I was almost you know, bankrupt. I had a, a car that was repossessed in front of my house back in the early 80s. I mean, I had credit card debt of up to $50,000, mortgage payment behind two months in a row they're going to foreclose. So I've been there, and I've worked my way out. And truly, if if I did it, and I've shown hundreds of others that they can do it, whoever reads my book, they can do it as well. All right. And we'll talk about inspiring. That's <laughs> what everybody should do. So tell them how they should get your book, where mm-hmm. they can get it. Yep. They can go to... Uh, uh, all the rules have changed.com. Again, all the rules have changed.com. Or my personal website, which is even simpler, it's mattreddick.com. M A T T, and Reddick is R E T as in Tom, T as in Tom, I C K.com. And if they want to take a look at my weekly uh, financial shows and get the free reports and checklists and videos I've talked about, that's just simply checksandbalances.tv. Very good. Very valuable information. I encourage everybody to get a hold of this book and reach out and watch watch the shows and get educated That's so you right. can make the right decisions. Yep. Again, uh, Matt, I want to thank you for being on our show. It's really been great talking about this this topic. And, my pleasure. Um, everybody, again, my name is Chris Miller. I'm the host of this show, and you can reach out to me at ready at ready for pre-retirement and you can also email me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at Ready for Pre-Retirement. We are here to help you. And again, Matt, thank you so much for being on our show today. My pleasure, Chris. You're doing great work. Keep it up. And uh, right. look forward to talking to you again very soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank right. you. Have Take a good, care. good day. You too. Out you can't take a curve at 85 My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As 
a million questions raised across my mind. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? can be a voice of inspiration and my story finds you well cause when the curtain falls there ain't no second chances and you don't want to ask yourself did I live did I love did I matter to someone did I give everything I had to give did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did I matter? I'm mad.